Well, hey guys, welcome to week two of Prepare Him Room, our series that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. My name is Natalie, if I haven't gotten to meet you yet. And I know I say this every time, but every time I want to tell you because it's one of my favorite things that I get to do is to speak to you guys and to share what God has been speaking to me and teaching me and what I believe he wants to say to all of us as a church body. And so we are um, right in the middle of Advent season and some of you guys have signed up to get our little Advent boxes that we made for a church and actually Tiffany put those together and they're just so cute and so you've probably seen them on social media all the little um, focuses of the day and a little, little verse and just a focus on prayer for that day and some some of you are getting little treats and little things like that in there too so um, if you haven't got one you can still sign up for one but the reason that we celebrate Advent I don't know about you but I actually I grew up a Christian but I never celebrated Advent I didn't even actually know what that meant it was just not something that my church did we just we just talked about Jesus and that was about it um, but I'm so excited because I think it actually fits perfectly in with what we talk about. Every year we do this series called Prepare Him Room. And Advent, all that it really means is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And so our goal for this series is just to prepare room for the most notable person who ever walked this planet. And you know, Advent is really, it's the root of the entire gospel. It's the root of everything that we believe in because it is the it is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the good news that someone came to this earth in a human body in the most imperfect way, lived the same life as us, but it was actually the Son of God who came to set us free. And so that is one of the most incredible, I don't know if we could prepare for anyone more notable or or worthy than that. And so um we practice Advent because we don't want to make the same mistake that the Jews did in that day. They were not prepared for Jesus to be born. They were not prepared. It was a crazy time, just like it is right now. Um, it was in the middle of a census season, just like we are right now. And there were only they actually got to, like, you know, be around each other. So <laughs> we're in a little bit different in that sense that we can't always be around other people during the census season. And that during that time, people were traveling to come in and register um, that they were citizens and make sure that they were known to be citizens. And so um, the savior of the world ended up having no space. All of the inns were full. There was no space for him. I mean, just think about that. Literally, God's son, the savior of the world, had to be born in a barn. They just weren't ready for him. Um, but even after, his, even after he was born, they still weren't ready for him. He was right there in their midst, and they weren't Ready and Jesus actually recounts their attitude, uh, their attitudes about him in a parable he told actually just before they murdered him, um, and it's Matthew twenty-five one through thirteen, and it says this: God's kingdom is like ten young virgins who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly and five were smart. The silly virgins took lamps but no extra oil. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected him, and they all fell asleep. And then in the middle of the night, someone yelled out, he's here, the bridegroom's here, go out and greet him. And the ten virgins got up and got their lamps ready. But the silly virgins said to the smart ones, our lamps are going out, lend us some of your oil. And they answered, there might not be enough to go around, go buy your own. And they did, but while they were out buying oil, the bridegroom arrived. And when everyone 
who was there to greet him had gone into the wedding feast. The door was locked. Much later, the other virgins, the silly ones, showed up and knocked on the door saying, Master, we're here. Let us in. And he answered, Do I know you? I don't, I don't think I know you. So stay alert. You have no idea when he might arrive. Now, obviously, we don't get married to like 10 people at a time anymore. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a different situation. But back then, obviously, they, were, they would be marrying like, obviously, I guess, 10 girls at a time, which is a little bit uh, crazy. I don't know how they did that and survived with sanity. But anyways, that's what they did. Can you imagine going into your wedding day and being like, oh, shoot, I forgot. And then your groom just like leaves you. And he's like, sorry, too late. <laughs> That's what he's saying there. But he wasn't really talking about being married. What he was talking about was making sure that they were ready for the God who was standing right there in front of them. See, these, these girls who forgot to fill up their oil lamps, they weren't giving themselves margin. They were distracted by the chaos of what was happening around them. And so they were so excited that they actually just fell asleep. They fell asleep and the oil ran out in their lamps and they had nothing left when it was time when the actual bridegroom came. And I think some of us can get distracted or we fall asleep, you know, spiritually and we're not ready when Jesus is ready to speak through us or move through us or when he's coming and he's ready to do something great in our life. So at that time, people were so distracted by the chaos of what was happening around them. Like I said, it was a census year, but also they were under the rule of a really narcissistic mass murderer, basically. Um, and he ruled, it was Herod the Great, and he was extremely, extremely paranoid leader. And he had m murdered several members of his own family. He had mass murdered tons of little babies, and anyone who was in the process of... Um, becoming a claimant to the Hasmonean royal dynasty. He literally just wiped out all of the male claimants to the throne. And so obviously people were living in a lot of fear in that time. They were, um, they were waiting for someone to come and rescue them from this crazy leader that had been leading them, not just at that time, but through all history. They had been they had been persecuted pretty much through all of history. And so they were anxiously awaiting, but they weren't ready when he came in the form of a child because they were looking for something else. They were looking for a political ruler or an army general who would come and just wipe out all of the people who were standing against them. They thought someone was going to come and just take away all of their problems. And you know, that's not who Jesus was. He did not come in as an army ruler, as we know. He did not come in as a political leader. He came in as a baby. And not just a baby, then he came in as a, as a, a priest, basically. And so they were not expecting that. But, you know, we find ourselves in a chaotic time of history as we speak. And I think the question that we have to be asking ourselves is, are we ready for him? Or are we distracted by the things that are going on around us? And you know what? Honestly, who would blame you? Who would blame you for being distracted? This year has been literally insane. Like literally insane. And there's been so many things to think about and focus on. And so many things to get upset about. And so many things to be scared about. But we have a God who is incredibly 
huge and so much bigger than anything that we're facing right now. And so are we focusing on all of those things that we could be afraid of? Or are we focusing on all the things that are making us mad? Or are we making space for what God wants to do in the middle of all of that? So are we going to put all of our eggs in a political basket? I mean, that, that did not work out for the Jews well, right? Jesus did not come in the way that they thought he was going to come. And if we're honest, there is no law on this planet that can change a human heart. Only God can do that. Only God can change a human heart. Only God can set a human heart free. And so are we making margin? Are we making space? Giving ourselves the room for God to come in and do what he needs to do in our life. So that is why we celebrate Advent every year. We want to make room for the presence of God We want to make room to celebrate the most incredible person who walked this planet. We want to make room to shower him with gifts that will make him smile. We want to be ready for him to show up in our lives and to speak through us. Um, You know, I just mentioned that we want to give him good gifts that make him smile. And in my old job, one of my main responsibilities was to be the host for really important guest speakers who would come and speak at our church. Um, Not not just guest speakers, but also um, guest musicians. So we'd have these like really big name musicians come and it was my job to make sure that when they got there, everything was like set up to the T. So I would have to research what they liked. I would go and find out their favorite food was, their favorite snacks were. I found out who their favorite sports teams were. I would buy them a special gift and leave it in their hotel room. I would make sure that their their, um, rides and everything to and from the airport were smooth and they had the best host. It was my job to make sure that when they arrived, um, you know, they had the props that they had so they could just walk onto the stage, not have to worry about anything and just say what they needed to say and or sing what they needed to sing. And that was my job. If I didn't prepare for them, they were going to be flustered or missing things that they needed or not having what they had to have to get their job done. And so that was my job was to be their hospitality person. And I think, you know, for us, that's something that we want to do in the Advent season. We want to be hospitality people who are ready to find out what it is that makes Jesus smile. We want to go ahead and research who he is and find out more about him and learn how we can bless him the same way. If we can do that for a famous speaker, we should do that for the God of our lives, right? And so today I just want to talk about how we can roll out the red carpet for Jesus the same way that we do sometimes for important people in our life. And so we just start off by finding out what makes him smile. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. So the first way that I know for a fact that we can make God smile is when we love his children, each other, all of us, deeply. And I'm going to read to you a passage Hebrews, uh, from Hebrews 13. And it's literally titled, Live Pleasing to God. And so I know this is what makes God smile. And here's what it says. No matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer and show hospitality to strangers. For they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Identify with those who are in prison as though you were there suffering with them and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. Honor the sanctity of your marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. 
For God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. So don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have, for you always have God's presence. We will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others, for these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. And any of you who are parents out there will, will probably agree with me when I say this, but what blesses me so much is when people love on my kids and when my kids love on each other, <laughs> right? Um, when people love on my kids, when they see them, when they validate them, when they tell them how important that they are, when they notice when they're going through a hard time, that makes me so blessed. I, it makes me want to do, I, give them a million dollars because I'm like, you can see something that I can see, but coming from another person, it means the world to have somebody else encourage your child. But it also really blesses my heart when my children do that for each other, right? When they share with each other, when they compliment each other, when they encourage each other, and when they keep their promises to one another. And especially when they restore each other, especially when they've messed up, when they say, you know what, we all messed up. It's okay. You're forgiven. And that is exactly what this passage is about, is about God saying, you know what blesses my heart so much is when you guys do this for each other, when you take care of each other, when you keep your promises to each other. When you love each other, when you encourage each other, when someone has been in prison, you feel for them. You feel with them. You're reaching out to them. You're writing them letters. You're visiting them. Not condemning them, but loving them. And so, you know, I think God, um, I just want to encourage this church because I really think that he's smiling on this church. And I just want to encourage you guys because we've been talking this month about young lives and taking care of teen parents and you know it would be easy for us to cast judgment right but that's not what God's asked us to do he's asked us to take care of each other and say you are a child of God and you are loved and you are special and this amazing thing that you've done bringing a child into the world in the midst of the craziness of this world was heroic and you guys came through in a huge, huge way. And I'm so proud. We were able to give over $3,500 to Young Lives. We literally answered every single one of their needs. I mean, they every single one they asked for and more. We were able to send a cash gift after that. I was so blown away, you guys. And I cannot even imagine how big God's smile is right now. Because that kind of generosity and that kind of love sends a huge message. You know, God draws people unto himself through his loving kindness. That's what he says in the word, is that he draws people to himself through his loving kindness. And what you have done has shown so much loving kindness to those kids. And I believe that their lives are going to be changed because of that. I think they're going to see Jesus a little bit more clearly because of that. And so I think Jesus is smiling at you. And, you know, I also want to just say thank you guys so much for um, just taking care of one another in this season. Our small group leaders, every leader in this place, I mean, our small group leaders have been incredible. 
throughout this season. They've reached out. They've prayed with people. They've loved people. They've helped provide for needs. They've encouraged with people. They've cried with you. The leaders in this place, the youth leaders, the, the small group leaders, the children's leaders, thank you. God is smiling on you, and he's so proud, and he's saying thank you. And so I'm so proud of this church. And, you know, maybe you're not in any of those categories. Maybe you haven't done that. Maybe you're doing something else to encourage people in your life or give to organizations that are making a difference. And God is smiling on that. That is what makes him so, so happy. You know, Mother Teresa says, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to one another. So I think if we can walk forward into this Christmas season knowing that we belong to one another, that not one of us is separated from the love of God, that we need each other, I think that God will be smiling in a huge, huge way. That will be an incredible gift that we could give to him. Another way that we bless him, another way we make him smile is when we trust him. And Hebrews eleven sixteen says, And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he's real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. And the next one is Psalms 147, 10 through 11. And he says, he takes no pleasure in the raw strength of horses. He finds no joy in the speed of the sprinter. But the eternal does take pleasure in those who worship him, those who invest hope in his unfailing love. And I know that that can sound a little bit confusing because obviously we don't use horses anymore. We have <laughs> cars now. And so he's saying, it doesn't impress me when you have a fancy car. It doesn't impress me if you have a million talents, if you're fast or if you can do 800 things. What pleases me is when you worship me and you put your hope in my unfailing love. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but this has absolutely been a year that has tested my trust um, in just about every single way. <laughs> um, it has been a hard year for us, and I'm not going to lie to you about that. Like, there's been uh, so many things that have tested my trust in God and so many things that were laying heavy on the line that I just was like, God, if you don't come through in these ways, I don't know literally how we'll move forward in so many different ways. Um, and I'll, I'll share with you some of those, those things that have happened this year. Um, this year we lost two opportunities for a, a church building to people who just outbid us. Um, and that was seriously really heartbreaking. Um, but obviously we're here and this is a huge blessing, so it is okay. Um, but also we, you know, we've been, I've been praying for an opportunity to get my master's degree for a really long time. Um, and so I put in my application, and I was really excited. I, I felt God was asking me to further myself so that I could be a better pastor to you. Um, I felt like he was saying, I want you to know more about the word. I want you to dig in. I want you to find out how you can do everything you can to be the best you so that they can hear a clear message. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my trust in you, Lord, and I'm going to apply for this master's degree. It's been, honestly, though, uh, about 20 years since I was last in college, and I had zero recollection of math or science or any of that. And in order to get into the school, I was going to have to take my MAT or my GRE and get a really good score. <laughs> they were asking for a pretty high score. And so I was actually like, uh, I'm going to literally have to take a math class because I don't <laughs> remember 
I remember 0% of college math. There's no way I'm going to pass this test. So I got all my study books, and as I'm going through, I'm just like, I literally have no idea what any of this is. I, I don't even know. So I just, I pressed the pause button, and I, if I can be honest, I kind of, like, let the dream fade away because I was like, I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know maths. So moving on. <laughs> um, and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, whatever, it, we'll come back to that. Um, and then another thing this year that I know um, Taka spoke about last week was we've been on a journey trying to find a home in Southern California. And if any of you guys know anything about the real estate market, uh, it is literally insane. Um, but we're coming up in March, uh, actually not even March now, February, on the end of our lease. And some of you know we have, this is another part of these, this equation, but we share a home with the Ordas, which has been the most beautiful thing ever. We've loved living with them. Um, and they have been an integral part of this team. And Voice Church would not be the same without them. Um, but that meant that we're also losing our children's pastor and an incredible gifted speaker in Mike. And so, um, you know, we're all having to now find our own homes in the middle of a pandemic. And also, they're leaving now to plant their church. So they need a new place. We need a new place. And as you know, this housing market is absolutely insane um, in Southern California right now. There's very little inventory, and people are just bidding like crazy, crazy, crazy prices over asking. And so, it honestly, um, we were touring places, we were putting in bids, and just getting outbid left and right. I was so discouraged. I I'm not going to lie. I'm like, Lord, this is going to have to be literally, literally a miracle for us to find a home in all of this or to be able to put down roots here because as you guys know rent is not going down any anytime soon so we want to be able to put down roots so that we don't get outpriced to live here so we can do ministry long term and so over and over again this year it's been me going okay lord I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to trust you even though literally I need a miracle in every single area of my life like every area I can't even pull these out of my hat I don't have the ability to make these things happen on my own and um, last week especially um, when Stephen Conant was here leading worship and he said sometimes it's a sacrifice to praise in the middle of your situations when you're going I don't see the answers I have literally no solutions to the things that are going on in my life but I'm going to choose to praise you, and I'm going to choose to trust you in the middle of that. And that's what faith really is, right? Faith is believing for something that we cannot see yet. And so um, I just remember, I was like, I'm literally bringing a sacrifice of praise to you, Lord. I'm literally saying, I trust you, even though, you know, in your heart sometimes you're like, I trust you, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've, I've been there this year, and it was a, it's been a rough year. And so I was like, I'm just trusting you, and I'm praising you. But something happens in our spirits when we worship and we praise God in the middle of our dark circumstances. Um, and even when we praise, even though we don't have answers and things look bleak, something changes inside of us, right? To be thankful in the midst of loss. Um, but then... It was really crazy. It was like in one week. You guys, I, who's ready for some praises today? Like who is ready for some good news for once, okay? Anybody? I'm ready for some good news, and I'm going to share it because 
God has done in one week a crazy amount of miraculous movement in my life. Um, and so in one week, I was literally just driving home on a Wednesday night, sitting in the car with my family, and I get a phone call from Fuller Theological Seminary, which is where I applied for the master's degree, and they were like, guess what? You're accepted. And I was like, say what? <laughs> I did not take that test. And they're like, we know, but it was enough. You're enough. And I literally was like, what? I have no words for this right now. And so they were like, yep, yeah, but you need to accept it in two days and make sure you get on there and go do it. And I was like, okay. So I literally just went online. It's like, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes, let's do this. And so I literally a miracle. I have no idea how or why. I don't know. Maybe the pandemic made sure that they didn't get as many students. And so it made room for me. So, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> but I was like, thank you, God, for that miracle, because I am ready. And I'm, I want to do good things for you. I want to preach a gospel that is true and that uplifts you, all of you. And so he made it happen. I don't know how. <laughs> um, but then also last week, just so you guys know, um, we had another miracle happen with our home. Uh, we put in an offer, and it was accepted. But not only was it accepted, but they counter-offered us to come in $10,000 less. Um, excuse me, what? A again? Excuse me, what? <laughs> um, literally, they asked us to come in $10,000 under because we were trying to bid so high that we literally went to the top of our budget. And the other people who were bidding, there were 21 other bidders, y'all. 21 other people bidding on the same house. It was crazy. And um, we were literally just going to go all in and we're like, it's a fixer-upper, but we're going to live in an ugly house for a while and it's fine. Um, <laughs> it'll be okay. And the, the person came back and was like, you know what? All these other people um, came in with much lower prices, but they didn't have a contingency on the appraisal. If you'll come down 10000 and take off your, your contingency appraisal, then you can have it. Now, we, we could not even honestly believe our, our ears. So good job to our, our real estate agent, John Fong. Thanks. <laughs> and that, so that was just this crazy miracle I cannot even believe happened. And it was literally every single thing. I had this list of like 10 things that I was like, God, these are my crazy requests for a home. And every single one of those requests is in those home. It makes no sense. I don't even understand why. But you guys, it's, it's crazy. And then on top of that, the orders were able to find a place that is everything on their wish list as well. And not only that, but we've accepted two new interns that just kind of literally, I feel like, kind of came out of the blue. Um, you guys are going to meet Madison very soon. She is our new kids intern, and she is overqualified for this position, and she is literally so amazing. Skylar, who's doing our worship internship, is amazing. So you guys, God is literally coming through on literally everything, every single thing that I was worried about. And that's the kind of God that we serve. You know, he says that out of a desert, okay, this is, and this has been a desert kind of a year. Everything was like pretty dry and feeling a little bit barren. But out of a dry and barren and harsh wasteland of a God, or of a year, God wants us to know that he's the God who puts streams in the middle of our desert. And he can make something new. He says, don't you see? I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to make streams in the middle of your desert. And so when we turn our hardship into worship, 
we prepare room for him to do his best work. So I just encourage you that no matter what your hardship is, just keep worshiping and keep trusting him. And lastly, you know, um, before we close, I have one more thing I want to say about how we can make God smile, and that is when we put him first. And Colossians 3.23 says, So no matter what your task is, work hard and always do your best as the Lord's servant, not as man's. And Galatians 1.10 says, I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with men, but my supreme passion is to please God. For if all I do for if all I attempt to do is to please people, I would not be the true servant of the Messiah. And so I don't know about you guys, but that is that's a struggle for me. I am a people pleaser. I like to make people smile. I like to make people happy. I'm a nine, and so I'm just really agreeable. <laughs> Even if I don't actually agree with you, I'm just like, yeah, you do you, boo-boo. And, you know, I just sometimes agree a little bit too much. And I can find myself getting in that people-pleasing mode. But this year has been a test for that because you know what? There are so many opinions out there right now about so many topics. There are so many things that it would be easy to just go along with popular opinion. And, and can I just tell you, following God sometimes means that you have a really unpopular opinion. It means that you believe and you trust what God says, no matter if it doesn't line up with what the world says is okay or not. And you know what? You cannot and you will never make everyone happy. That's not, that cannot be your point of life. Um, trust me, I tried. And <laughs> I ended up putting my own dreams and my own callings aside I ended up living for other people, and it's, it's a crazy circle mess that you can never get out of until you just make the choice to say, I can't live to make other people happy. I can't live to just agree with everybody else. I have to live to make God happy. I have to live a life worthy of the calling that he's put on my life, and not just mine, but yours. I have to live a life worthy of the calling that he's placed in our life. That means that when the opinions of this world don't line up with the word of God, that we just choose to trust God. That we just say, God, I don't, this is hard. I don't want to agree with you. But I do because I know that you have my best interest at heart. And you know what? He is the only one who has all of your best interests at heart. He sees the things in your heart that you don't even see in there. He sees there that even your spouse and your best friend don't even know are there. And he is the only one who will never, ever, ever forsake you. You know, he is the one who will be there no matter what happens. He's the one who has the utmost of grace for every mistake that we make. He's the one who forgives us when we mess up hardcore. His expectations for us never change. We never have to worry about him going back and forth. They're always the same. He'll never throw you to the world, to the wolves, and he can always be trusted. See, there's no stability 
in living to please people. One day they will love you and the next they will crucify you. Just ask Jesus himself, the one that we're doing all of this for, the one that we're preparing room for. He's, he has got, <laughs> he's got literally the market on this topic. He literally knows that you cannot live to please people, but you have to live to please God, even if that means it's really, really hard because you never know what your sacrifice is going to do for somebody else. You never know what your sacrifice is going to do for somebody else. So, so today I think we just need to, to take a moment as we worship and just say, God, I trust you. I trust your plan. I trust your goodness. I trust that you can see what I can't. I trust you with everything. And as we close it, I just want to reiterate that Jesus is worth rolling out the red carpet for. See, we can do our Advent activities and traditions, and they're so sweet and they're so special, but what he wants even more than that is our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants to know that we are all in with him. He wants to know that we're going to trust him. He wants to know that we're going to put him first. And he wants to know that we're going to love his kids. He wants to know that we're going to support one another. So whether you have, maybe maybe you have done that in the past. Maybe that is you. You've been doing that. You've been putting your hands out and saying, God, I just want to make you smile this month. I want to prepare room for you to move in my life. But maybe you have not. And so... Um, no judgment, no shame on you, but this is a great time to take some time and do that as we worship. And if you've never done that in your life and you're saying, you know what, I think today's my day, I think I do want to give my trust to him. I do want to put my trust in the one person who will never leave me and never forsake me. And if that's you, take just a moment as we worship and as we sing this song and, and just tell him that, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to live for you. Would you forgive me of, of anything that I've done that separated me from you? And you don't need a you don't need a line by line prayer to pray. Just talk from your heart. And he wants to meet you right where you are, wherever you are. So I just encourage you that as we worship to take your hardships, your questions, your joys, your sorrows and truly bring that sacrifice of praise as we go into worship with your whole hearts. So let's go ahead, let's worship, and thank you guys so much for joining us today. <laughs> 